Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to the post-debacle edition of Sharing Socks. I'm Southside Socks duty easer Lee Allen. With me, my son, and for the last time for a while, next room correspondent, Will, the West Coast correspondent again next week when he goes back home to Los Angeles. But he's still got his show going here. Shameless plug, Campaigns Inc. at uh, Timeline Theater in Chicago. Uh, I uh, normally wear a White Sox shirt of some kind that I am wearing my birthday present junkyard dog from Sandlot shirt because we watched some Sandlot baseball yesterday. (laughs) We're recording this on Friday after the Houston series before the trip to Cleveland. And while the Houston series had 2-2, as far as I'm concerned, it's just fine. I, I thought that was an excellent outcome. The... 25 run <laughs> debacle on uh, a 21 run, 25 hit debacle on uh, Thursday was uh, wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I actually think you calling that Sandlot baseball is an insult to Benny the Jet Rodriguez <laughs> and what he did with his ball club uh, because they never gave up 21. <laughs> Well, you about the baseball, but uh, which would have been a good thing for the White Sox to do on, on Thursday afternoon. It was, I happened to be reporting on that game, so I had to watch the entire thing and then write <laughs> about it <laughs> afterwards, which was which was very very painful. At least um, it was only four hours long, and it wasn't even that. I think it was three fifty seven. <laughs> oh well, that's and, and it got it got to the point where the, <laughs> Houston was up. 
10 runs or so at some point. And their pitchers were walking our guys. I'm going, don't walk our guys, you idiot. <laughs> don't yeah. walk them. You're dragging this thing out. And then our guys, what? They walk, I think, nine. Oh, I talked to them. Wow. Yeah. Don't, no, no. Throw strikes right down the middle. And our guys, you throw it right down the middle. <laughs> Eventually, they'll hit it out. <laughs> Get this over with. <laughs> 21 runs, which I believe uh, you mentioned to me yesterday is the most anyone has ever scored against them at the GERF. I guaranteed, yes. right? Yeah. Wow. What a treat. Um, and did Gavin Sheets go five for five or was he just four, four, four for five? Four for four. He had four hits. Oh, okay. It was his fourth forward game. Uh, Yuan Moncada looked good. He had not just the three run over, but hit the ball hard. Uh, all of it in vain. But what happened with the White Sox hitting was it didn't come until – and Garcia's not a great pitcher. Uh, Luis Garcia is throwing for Houston. But the fourth inning that they had was like a rain delay. It, it went for what seemed like five and a half days. And when he came out after that, he did not have what he had before. And I, th- I think it really was like a rain delay. I, I think he was just eh, – and he didn't really – have that feeling of tension anymore because there's nothing at that point. (laughs) Ah, oh well, you blow that one out. One thing it's going to do uh, for the Pythagorean scores because, yes, it was a two-to-two series, but the White Sox were outscored by 14 runs. So the Pythagorean of what your record should be is (laughs) going to – and because their record will be better than what it should be, because they were already negative on, on run differential, it makes makes oh, they must have a really good manager if they overcame this run differential to have a winning record. Uh, yikes. And the saddest thing of the whole thing was that Josh Harrison's ERA doubled to 18. I know. Poor guy. I, I mean, he was, you know, it, it was sad because he came out there. I mean, his, his fastball was firing up to 57 on occasion. And um, he got a strikeout. <laughs> I I don't want to, you know, wish ill will on anything, but I'm really concerned his Cy Young chances are shot. It could be. Well, I don't I don't think he was going to have enough innings anyway. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and, and you know, it can be tough for a reliever, especially when you've only thrown three innings or four innings, whatever he's I, even. I don't thrown. think it vests his contract for next year on innings pitched. <laughs> oh, that is too bad. So we we split these two. We split these four, two each. First two games, we actually saw some interesting life from the White Sox. Yes. Late late victories will do that for you. Yeah, and a lot from Yohan Mankata, who gets a lot of flack for maybe seeming like he's uninterested in playing the game. He certainly seemed to be excited uh, during those key moments of the first two games of the series. The next game was maybe one of the most boring games ever played in the history of baseball. That was the 3-2 loss. Uh, not interesting. And then, of course, a 21-5 to shellacking uh, to end the series. Do you view this as... Uh, a good series outcome, really? Or do you view it as... No, I, 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 I think I view it as an okay series outcome. You, you, you split the four games. That really, with Houston, that's not bad. Yeah. But when you do it 
when it ends on a humiliating note, uh, that is bad. And of course, the the really dangerous part of that is how bad Lucas Giolito looked. Yeah, I mean Lucas Giolito is is absolutely not the pitcher that he was over the last couple of years. It's so bizarre. It's, it's that commercial. They're going to have to bring it back. You know, they 2018. Are. He was the worst pitcher in baseball. You said to update the year. Um, well, no. What you what you have to do is you have to say you know 2018. He was the worst pitcher in baseball. 2020, 2021. He was pretty good. 2022, <laughs> he was the worst pitcher in baseball. So 2023? This dude is an all-star. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Giolito thing is obviously a huge issue moving forward for the White Sox. Uh, what do you do? You know? Yeah, no, because it, it, it's particularly devastating with Lucas. Both because he's a favorite of mine, but in general, he's smart. So he's not a pitcher who can't figure things out. He's really smart. And, of course, he's got Ethan Katz, who has coached him since high school and knows presumably every little possible thing that can go wrong with Lucas Giolito. And between the two of them, they are not coming up with anything. He had some okay games the last three games, but they weren't great. Took about 100 pitches to go five innings. That's not great. We yeah, saw a couple me. flashes of of that changeup looking really good early on in the game yesterday. I'm yeah, and it disappeared, that. and and then just absolutely flatlined. And those changeups really did look like old Lucas Giolito changeups. They they were really sharp. They to right-handers. They came out of his hand looking exactly how they should look. They moved exactly how they should move. They hit a spot in the strike zone, mind you, White Sox pitchers. It is okay to do. If you do it well, you can throw the ball in the strike zone. And then just nothing. And did you see anything that would cause that drastic there change? Was, if, if, if it occurred, they didn't show it on TV. You didn't see a, you know, where he stepped wrong and then and yeah. maybe his ankle got sore or um, – he was falling off the mound to one side or the other. None of that was seemed to be occurring. I, of course, he's been bad pretty much the entire season. And I think we go back to he bulked up. Did that hurt him? Did that keep him from being as loose as he had been in the past? Was that a mistake? I know he's trying to get stronger to go longer and that kind of stuff, but there, there's a lot of question in, in baseball of people overbulking, mostly with hamstrings with position players. But uh, but also, I mean, if you're a pitcher and you've found this fluid motion, the last thing you should do is bulk up in a way that prevents your body from continuing that same motion. And I think it probably is a huge factor. Lucas looks like he put on a ton of muscle. But a ton of muscle does not a great pitcher make. I mean, look at McKenzie in Cleveland. That dude. We're going to look at him uh, on uh, maybe thirty-one tonight. pounds. Friday yeah, night. we'll we'll see him tonight. And you know, he's uh, he's the extreme argument that muscle is not what you need here. Chris Sale being another example. Chris Sale is long and stringy, 
Lucas is what? He's six foot four, six five, something like that. He's very tall. The answer for him is not going to be muscle. He's got the length. Well, it's muscle. And it, it, it's, it's, it's not, they're, they're, it's, what, you're fast twang and you're slow twang. Yeah, uh, yeah. Muscles. They, they, it's a different kind of muscle. We said we tennis players used to, uh, because we were not bulked up like the football players, we used to say, well, it's tennis muscle. <laughs> I don't know right, that I yeah. had any muscle at all, but we called it tennis muscle. Tennis muscle did not get popular until, until Rafael Nadal. <laughs> Well, and the Williams sisters. Uh, true, true. But even even then, well, we get into tennis. You know, Roger Federer does not look like a strong guy, but he's no. an incredibly strong guy because it's that type of muscle. Anyhow, onto the game. Uh, the fact that uh, Velasquez, Miss Velasquez, gave up uh, five runs in a couple of innings, I think, is immaterial. I don't think the White Sox were ever planning to count on Velasquez as anything but mop up. Yeah, absolutely um, not. Other than the period back there when we didn't have any starters. But no I am surprised he was as bad as he was, but I'm also not surprised. Like, I, I still have this hope in my head for some reason that Vince Velasquez is going to figure it out. And we've seen him sort of figure it out a couple times. But, yeah, he is just there – I feel like half of our team right now is just there to eat innings, to <laughs> save time until we can really figure this well, out. And Jose, but Ruiz had, Jose Ruiz had been pretty good, but they, they really lashed into him. Um, yeah. It, uh, at least Velasquez took five, three innings to give up five runs, and they only took two. Uh, and thank goodness Josh came along to hold him to four <laughs> in the ninth inning. Uh, I, there is something on that, on that hitting is contagious thing that once, once they've got out and everybody's pounding the ball and feeling really good about themselves, every player on Houston had a hit by the time Giolito left, which was with no outs in fourth inning, three batters in. And they all, every starter scored a run. I mean, <laughs> well, anyhow, that game's over. Uh, the Sox remain three game, uh, uh, two and a half games behind Cleveland with three games in Cleveland coming up, so you can recover. And they're going to do it with a new shortstop. Elvis that is has true. entered the building. Let's uh, let's take our break, and then we'll come back. We'll talk about our new uh, our new shortstop, and we'll talk about this upcoming Cleveland series uh, and what we might be able to expect from that. Hopefully it's less than 21 runs total over three games. But after last night, we could be cruising for a bruising because that was crazy. But we'll call it an anomaly, uh, and we will be right back here on Sharing Socks. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back to Sharing Socks. We dissected that Houston series moments ago, uh, which we think 
it was kind of fine, kind of okay, whatever. You you took two out of four against Houston. Uh, and big comebacks are nice. Comebacks it's not are nice, nice to wait until the eighth inning to score, but if you do it effectively, it's nice. It's, it certainly felt like in the first two games we had gotten something going uh, that even if we lost the next two, it was going to be a, a series victory in our minds and hearts. Uh, the last game obviously changed that for us um, by giving up the three touchdowns with successful extra point conversions. Uh, but new shortstop, as you just said, Elvis has entered the building. Elvis Andrus uh, is a long way from his all-star days. Those were nine or 10 years ago. And of course, he was a phenom as, as a rookie. In his first few years, he was looked at as the shortstop of the future for, for baseball. Uh, that has slowed down, and he's become uh, maybe an above-average shortstop. Defensively, he's actually got a negative 0.1 uh, D-war, uh, according to baseball reference this year, which is kind of a wash right there. Uh, he has overall, though, a 1.2 war for 100 games, so that's kind of right at an average major league starter. He's hitting 237, um, has some homers. An average major league starter is what we need at shortstop until or if Tim Anderson comes back because we don't have that. The, the guys who filled in weren't terrible defensively. They were pretty terrible offensively. Sosa hit that big home run his first time, and then I think that was it. He was hitting about 110. Yeah. And in fairness, in fairness to Romy Gonzalez, he only had, I think, eight at-bats and, and had one hit. So that wasn't enough to uh, call, yeah, call it a failure. Know, we kind of said yesterday that neither of those guys are really meant to be playing Major League Baseball. And I do think at Elvis this point, Andrews, Sosa maybe eventually. Sure, sure. And and I'm not even – I'm not ruling out anyone. I mean, Tanner Banks was kind of in the show for a while after 10 years in the minors. Um but I think Andrews is a a major upgrade um, as a as a placeholder. I don't think Elvis Andrews is a guy that you know we're going to be looking to continue to work with after this season necessarily. But uh, I think it's a solid upgrade. He's certainly at least a solid defensive player. Still was once elite, Terrific. and is yeah. And is now, uh, you know, still, I would say, better than the league average fielding. He, uh, as you said, hits about is hitting about 235, 237 uh, this season, which puts him obviously below Tim in terms of average, uh, but ahead of any other middle infielder we could throw out there. Uh, so I'm not ahead of Josh. Well, and Josh. But he Josh can't is, play shortstop. Exactly. Shortstop, I should say. Because, uh, yeah, Josh is up in the 240s, I think, at this point. Um, what about power? Do you know if he had, a eight home, he's, he had 120 home run season just three or four years ago? He had eight homers this year. Uh, so there's a little bit there. I mean, for the White Sox, eight homers would be a big deal. And which is something I, get I wanted to get to as we head to Cleveland, which is one of three teams that has fewer home runs than the White Sox but are ahead of us in the division. We are, I think, 26th or 27th in the league in home runs. It is 2022. We are almost 100 home runs behind the Yankees. And I realize the Yankees are an elite power team, 
but 100 home runs well, behind When you the talk Yankees. the comparison with Cleveland, I, I think the big difference, of course, they have probably more pitching depth than we do, especially bullpen depth, but it's speed. We've got three guys who, who run really well. Tim, who's injured half the time. Uh, Adam Angle, who's not allowed to play. And, and injured the other half. And and is injured on occasion. And who am I leaving out? <laughs> Luis. Uh, Luis, of course, who's also injured uh, a fair amount of the time. So Luis is the fastest of them all. They have just speed all over the place. Even their one real power hitter, uh, Jose Ramirez, he's fast. I mean, he looks like the Pillsbury Doughboy, but he moves. He does. They're, they're not only fast, they take the extra base, they're thinking on the bases, they have a more intelligent manager, and, and that makes a difference in how you go about the game. Significantly, uh, yeah. So they, they are built as a speed team. The White Sox are built as a power team, but not getting that that power. Yeah, we're at 102 home runs on August 19th. Our home run leader, which by the way, this is the same from last week when this was briefly mentioned on the podcast, is still Jose Abreu, still at 14 home runs. Those power numbers are absolutely pathetic. And you know me, I'm like you. I love singles, doubles, and triples. I love manufacturing runs, but this is 2022, and to have 102 home runs on August 19th, I was, I would say means you absolutely can't win your division, but obviously Cleveland is ahead of us with even fewer home runs. But what well, it does and, mean and is you have to look at this no division. Chance. I mean, you've got no chance in the postseason. It, it, you couldn't blame Major League Baseball if they ruled that nobody from this division is allowed to make the playoffs. Um, pitching matchups. Lance Lynn, who has looked very good his last time out, but. You know, it's finally pitching against a team that is pretty smart and able to hit. Although they're not a great, Cleveland's not a great hitting team at all. They're mostly pitching at speed. And defense, yeah. great defensive team. Um, but Tristan McKenzie against Lance Lynn. McKenzie can be very, very good or very, very bad. It can go either way. You, you could find him going six innings of one hit ball or three innings of 10 run ball. McKenzie. Guy, it, can, it can get into his head like the old, Dylan Cease before this year. Something goes wrong. Bad call, bad bounce, makes a bad pitch, and and they fall apart. Um, they've been. I think quick. I think McKenzie is actually a, a potential great pitcher. He's still just very. He's still young. He's still very hot and cold. Uh, but when he's on, it's trouble. And when he's off, it's meat and potatoes. So you just never know which McKenzie you're going to get. And hopefully, we get some meat and potatoes tonight. Saturday. It is Bieber versus Cueto, and I looked it up. Unfortunately, it's Shane Bieber. I was hoping Justin, um, but Ooh, apparently they debated him. You know, honestly, that to me is the most exciting possible matchup right now because Cueto is just doing this unbelievable comeback <laughs> that I I don't understand how he's as good as he is. Uh it's a completely different style of pitching from anyone else on the team. He's so fun to watch. He goes out there with the complete intention of pitching all nine innings every day. That is so cool. 
and so fun to watch for me. I love that. It's the complete opposite of the mentality you see from our other starters. When Cueto goes out, you see in his eyes, he's like, I'm going to pitch this whole game. And then he tries to get there. You know, he falls short sometimes, and then he, we take him out in the eighth or even the, even the seventh. Uh, but he is just so exciting to watch. And I really like that he called out the team last week. Absolutely. That, 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 that he talked about the lack of life. And they seem to react to that somewhat as they have not reacted to other things, including other people calling him out during the season. Uh, yeah. Oh, and that incidentally, and Andres is supposed to be a, a really good clubhouse spirit guy. So we'll see how that. Uh, well, let's around. hope so. Yeah. But I did love Cueto calling them out. Cueto is a guy who has been on teams that were maybe not even expected to be as good as they were, but because they had that fire, that energy, uh, they won World Series. So I'm a, I'm a huge Johnny Cueto guy right now. I, I love the matchup with Shane Bieber. Bieber, of course, is the better pitcher overall. Um, he is one of the best in the game. But on any given day, Johnny Cueto can rise to his level of competition. I think that matchup on Saturday could be really, really fun. I think it could be a great close game, and I think it could be two hours and 25 minutes long, which would be uh, just a nice thing. <laughs> incredible compared to last night's four-hour slaughter. Uh, the, 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 the Houston pitcher last night, Luis Garcia, he had a little Johnny Cueto, not the skill of Johnny Cueto, but, God, he jumped all over the mound. He, he, looked, he looked like he'd been invaded by a swarm of bees every time he threw a pitch. He, he does. His hat sits a little too low on his head. He needs to get <laughs> he needs to get more going on so we can get that just barely staying on Johnny Cueto look that I love uh, that he is, is still repping that. Uh, but what do we got on Sunday? Sunday, certainly the White Sox will go in severe favorites because Dylan Cease will be throwing for us, Aaron Savali for them, and Savali has been pretty much a train wreck this year. Not every, again, like most starting pitchers, he can have a day when he's on, but he hasn't been on very much. Yeah, I mean, that I think should be the the one that is the White Sox to take. Um, I I just, I know this is such an unpopular opinion. I fight with the guys on the, on the text thread constantly. I still am just not there with Dylan Cease. I, I think he, and you know me, when Dylan Cease was bad, I was pumped. When, when, when I was saying bad things about Dylan Cease, you were the one roaring to his defense. And I'm not here to say bad things about him. He's, he's got incredible stuff. He's got as good a stuff as anyone in baseball. He leads the major leagues in walks. I mean, come on. You're leading the majors in walks. And we're supposed to consider you an, an absolutely elite pitcher. I am of the school still that Dylan Cease is not a great pitcher. He is now an elite thrower and a good pitcher. But he has not reached great pitcher status. My reason for that, which I'm always griping about on here. Efficiency. Efficiency. I mean, yes, my my friends immediately came back and said, well, he throws six innings 15 times. Congratulations. Six innings. Woohoo. I'm so impressed. 
I've, I don't even remember those. To me, he's always pitching five he's a, or four and two-thirds on a bad day. His pitch count problems are absolutely horrific. They're terrible. The, the number of, of three two counts or, or three one that we see from him, the number of walks, it's frustrating to watch him. And, and, and what's, what's really frustrating about that aspect on it is it's not necessary. Nobody no. can hit him. That's Nobody can hit him. That's why I Throw say the ball he's in the a great zone. thrower and he's not a great pitcher yet because a great pitcher would go after every batter with the stuff that he has. He has elite stuff. His breaking balls, his fastball, they are top-notch. They're top-tier. Slider may be the best pitch in baseball this year. It absolutely could be. Why are you throwing so many pitches so far out of the strike zone? Go at these guys. Let them make contact. Make our terrible defense. I know. Play defense. That could be part of the problem. When a pitcher has a really bad defense, they want to strike everyone out, and that could be what we're dealing with there. Uh, as we saw from Andrew Vaughn dropping that ball in right field and Dylan Cease kind of having a, a, an emotional slide down after that. Uh, I just don't know what they can do to get these starters other than Cueto to throw the ball on, in or near the strike zone. Why do we have to go 3-2 on so many batters? It is infuriating. It's frustrating. It's destroying the game and the fun of the game. I mean, we talk about, oh, let's get this team amped. Let's let's see some fire. Well, when they have to sit through 170 pitches from their pitching staff alone, that's boring. It's boring. And especially if that's happening and you're getting six walks and 12 strikeouts or whatever, that's boring. And and I love seeing the White Sox win, but I still with these starting pitchers, it's it's you know it feels like work watching the White Sox right now. I want to see Dylan Cease come out there on Sunday and go straight at every single batter in that lineup. And if you get hit, you get hit. If if you get hit too much, then pull off and go back to your old thing. Attack these guys. Throw the ball in the zone, on the corners. He he paints the corners, but he paints them two inches off. So it's a very wide brush he's got there. And that's what gets us these three-two counts. Go at them. Go right at the edge of that plate. Or even go over the middle of it. Like, make these guys hit you. You have the best pitch in baseball. Use it to your advantage. Show us what you've got, because right now, Dylan Cease, I'm not sold that he is going to be a great pitcher. I would not give him the Cy Young this year in at all. I mean, it's it's people who are saying, oh, he should win the Cy Young after he wasn't even an all-star. No, 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 no. We have to see this guy learn how to command the baseball before he is at that level. Your silence right. tells me you agree wholeheartedly. Well, you know, his results, and again, it comes to his results while he's on the mound are 
incredible. I mean, was it 13 games in a row with no more than one earned run? Uh, but he's not on the mound that exactly. time-wise he is because he takes forever. But uh, that deep into the game. And, yes, if we day after day have an elite uh, bullpen, uh, yeah, that, that'll work. And and actually it works in the playoffs because in the playoffs nobody gets to pitch more than six innings anyway, if that. Uh, but you got to get to the playoffs and you got to not wear out your bullpen when the other starters, other than Cueto, aren't going deep. So they have to be used extensively. So, yeah, I mean, that's his problem. There, there is greatness there. It is not quite greatness because of the pitch counts. Yeah, it has not been harnessed. Uh, but I do actually think he is going to be a great pitcher. He's still just figuring it out. And to be this good with this good of stuff at his age, uh, I, I mean, I think he's going to be as great as people think he can be and as great as we want him to be. Uh, that is all the time we have for today. Do you have any final thoughts before we head out? Uh, no, it's hard. It's hard to think after. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, we my have... mind, because I had to watch the entire game carefully, my mind is just. Yeah. Well, we have these three games against Cleveland next week on the podcast. I think we're going to know a lot more of what this final. Yeah, I mean, sweep, sweep Cleveland, and you're probably in first place. I, don't, I didn't look up who Minnesota's playing this weekend. Uh, Cleveland, of course, just split a four game series with Detroit, which is pretty damn awful. Yeah, uh, but they and they so they had to do what the Sox did. They scored six runs in the eighth, in the, in the fourth game to to win eight to four. But that does put them with momentum upward, whereas the Sox have momentum backward. <laughs> Each team has had time off. I I don't know how much that that counts in baseball when you're moving on to another opponent, but it's a little something. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we will hopefully be back reporting on the first place White Sox next week. The number of times I've said that this year and we have not been able to do it uh, is getting into the comical range. Uh, But hopefully we will be on here talking about the first place White Sox next week. Thanks so much for listening and we will see you next time on Sharing Socks.